0: As life in the pandemic continues, our capacity for empathy and connection can come and go. Sometimes it's easy to be present for our loved ones, and other times we need space and just to be left alone. Asking for what we need and having boundaries can be challenging enough during non-stressful times, but add a pandemic and all that comes with it into the mix, things get more complicated. Our question this episode, how can we take care of ourselves and our relationships during a time of so much uncertainty and stress? Welcome to Episode 70 of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host, Beth Below. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. My guest today brings a message that I think everyone will benefit from, whether you're listening while you're still sheltering in place, or we're after that phase when we've been able to roam free for a while. The concepts transcend a particular moment in time or situation, and I know I'll be using her tips long after we've gotten on the other side of this pandemic. Before getting into the conversation, I want to offer a quick reminder that you can read more about my guest and find out how to connect with her on the episode webpage at howcanisaythis.com. While you're there, take a listen to some past episodes, learn how to leave a rating or review, and take a moment to review the list of seminars that I can bring to your workplace or community, either virtually or, when it's okay to do so, in person. Let's meet our guest. Marianne Van Dyke is a relationship coach based in Amsterdam working with nonviolent communication. Her business is called Cup of Empathy and her YouTube channel, which you can also find under the name Cup of Empathy, is currently the biggest channel about nonviolent communication worldwide. Marianne helps people learn the mindset and skills they need for more connection in their love relationship. More recently, she's been focused on delivering courses on how to deal with the effects of corona on relationships and doing research on the effects of corona on couples. You can learn more about Marianne and find out how to connect with her at HowCanIsayThis.com. Hi, Marianne. Welcome to How Can I Say This? I'm so pleased to welcome you to the conversation.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, at the time that we are recording this, we're still in the midst of a global pandemic of um, coronavirus and COVID-19. And there are some signs of recovery, but it's still the water we're swimming in. And there's no doubt that it's a topic that we're going to be talking about for a really long time. And because of that, there's also no doubt that it's testing our relationships. And that's, I know, your your specialty. And yeah. um and I and I just wanna note for anybody listening to this, even if you're not in a relationship with someone or you're not living with the person you're in a relationship with, I think what we're gonna talk about throughout this conversation has applications, you know, beyond those romantic relationships. But we are going to be, you know, sort of focusing on that kind of partnership. And I know you've done some research on how this um, pandemic is impacting couples in particular. What have you learned through your work about communication during stressful times like these?
1: Yeah, what the research showed was that um, about a third of couples saw that their relationship actually got less good during the pandemic. And the reasons for this were there were several different reasons, but one is that they just were together so much, and especially for those who were in like smaller spaces and with kids, it was very that's very stressful, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, some couples said they had already some problems in their relationship, and they were just aggravated by by the stress of the of the pandemic and of the quarantine. And then there were also, I think about 25% of the couples that were were less happy with the relationship now said that they didn't agree about all the, the measurements that should be taken or how to interpret what should be done and how, how hygienic to be. Mm-hmm. So there were different reasons, but all, yeah, a little bit around just being stressed because of everything that's happening. Yeah,
0: you, you bring up so many good points. And, and one of them that struck me from the beginning was how... I think some relationships thrive because we have a nice balance of together and apart, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. we're not together all the time. And now that we are, you know, together so much more, it's kind of like maybe you can speak to this, but I'm thinking about like when you go on vacation with your significant other Mm -hmm. and you're together 24-7. And you wonder, okay, we're on vacation. Why are we all of a sudden getting snippy with each other or feeling a little irritated or impatient? I'm curious if you could say a little bit more about what's happening there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So actually, yeah, I like your example of the going on holiday. And it's there are several moments in, in most relationships where something big happens and you kind of, I call it kind of a pivotal change and you need to kind of renegotiate everything. So this is when, for example, you move in together, when you have children. And also again, when children move out of the house, this is when circumstances change so much that you really need to renegotiate how you're going to do everything. And actually, when you go on holiday, I'm just realizing this now. Now, did you say this? Actually, I think that applies as well. Like all of a sudden you have more time together, you're in a different space. And so I think this goes as well for for this pandemic that you need to renegotiate who is going to who's going to use the the living room, who's going to make noise when and where and who's <laughs> going to take care of the children. So there's just a lot that needs to be negotiated. And if you're not fully aware of that, like you're you're you know, it's just it was just happening all so fast. Right. I, I think f- for you guys in the States as well, that all of a sudden, OK, this is the case. We have to stay at home now. Um, and you were acting kind of like out of stress. And there might not have been a moment to really sit down and, and be like, okay, now, how are we going to do all of this? And how are we going to write? What new agreements do we want to make? What things do we need to discuss in order to make this go kind of smooth?
0: Yeah, I, I you know, I'm thinking of my husband and me, um, we don't have children, but I work from home. And he works in an office. And as soon as he wasn't able to go into that office anymore. Of course, our home became his office as well. Mm-hmm. And now that you say this, I really appreciate that idea of you have to renegotiate and establish perhaps some new agreements about how you're going to be cohabitating together. Um, we didn't necessarily do that in a formal way, but I think we intuited, mm-hmm. um, you know, what what needed to happen. Like, I am very conscious if I go downstairs and I see him in the space that he's working that just because he's there, I can't go in and interrupt him. Mm. Yeah, You know, to honor that if he were in the office, would I pick up the phone and call him to interrupt him? Mm. No. So I just kind of walk on by and pretend that he's not there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it doesn't stop me from occasionally, you know, saying hi or giving him a peck on the cheek or whatever. But I appreciate that. It's like, I think we renegotiated our space, even without talking about it. Yeah. And I love that you're encouraging us to talk about it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, um, maybe another thing is because you mentioned this thing of of being together so much of the time. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes in relationships, the idea of taking space for yourself can be a little bit of a taboo. I've noticed with people, yeah. it's very understandable that we want connection and that's something beautiful, you know, in our in our mind. And sometimes we think that or I've seen at least people I work with think that asking for space and maybe this happens as well. It's, it might be interpreted as, oh, so you don't like being with me or, oh, it, it might even be felt as a rejection or something like that. And so it can be a bit scary to, to even bring up that you need some, some space for yourself. And yeah. so I think it's good to be aware of that. Yeah. To be aware that it might be scary for you and that it might be interpreted as something negative or something that personal that has to do with your partner when usually, especially if you're an introvert, yes. you might just really, <laughs> really need to recharge somewhere. And I had some some people I work with saying, you know, I was really thinking of booking an Airbnb, which is actually, it was said a bit as a joke, but actually I was like, great, that's that's very creative. You know, you're thinking of ways to to get recharged. And I really want to encourage people to do that yeah
0: yeah and I want to I want to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes when I ask mm-hmm. you for some uh, mm-hmm. some strategies yeah. because yeah one of the things I, I want to I'm bookmarking it right now is like how do you make those requests so mm-hmm. let's let's come yeah. back to that because yeah. um, that's a really important point as a lead into that, and I don't know if it's going to be connected or not, but I know another area of specialty for you is nonviolent communication. Yes. Many people have probably heard of it, but they might not know exactly what it means or even how it would be useful to them. Yeah. So would you give us an overview of that philosophy and the applications of it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. First of all, for those who hear this term, actually, maybe for the first time, the, the word, the name is a bit misleading. So if you don't like the name, mm-hmm. please have some patience, because <laughs> I, when I heard, heard about it for the first time, I, I thought it would be really, I don't know, wishy-washy or like holding hands all together peacefully or something. And it's, it's not at all like that, because it's actually about really encouraging also radical honesty. And so what it is, it's a method um, for creating more connection between people. And it's mostly focused on communication and mindset. And there is some overlap between other things like mindful communication, for example. But the unique thing about it is that it works with the concept of universal needs. And these needs, there's kind of just a list of them. Um, it's invented by Marshall Rosenberg, and he created this list. And it's it's um, a list of needs like harmony, understanding. Uh, being heard, clarity, empowerment. Uh, there's There's a lot of them. And the idea is that if you find out... So whenever someone wants something, whenever someone has a preference, there is a universal need behind that. And if you don't like their preference or if you have a different preference... Then it's helpful to find that universal need, because from that point, you can find more connection and you can find a way to get both your needs met. Mm-hmm. So that's a little abstract that might give some example later how you can do that. But that's in a nutshell. And you can just apply it to any kind of relationship. I, I work with love relationship, but you can do it with colleagues, um, with your children even. Yeah. So it's a very versatile um, tool, in my experience.
0: Yeah. Well, based on your answer, I know that this is going to come up as I ask you the next question. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. as we were talking about the the changes that happen with relationships in a time of pandemic, or even, you know, crisis. Um, But especially now, when we're having so much togetherness, I just, I don't know about you, but you know, I've been kind of enjoying a lot of the jokes that have been circulating. Yes, (laughs) that enable us to kind of laugh a little bit at the situation. And I remember one very early on that said, we're all going to emerge from this either alcoholics or divorced, or maybe both. Yeah, (laughs) that's a very cynical, uh, you know, perspective. But what I appreciate, is that your work is committed to keeping us from getting to that point, and so what you're doing right now is so important. Yeah. Um, so, what steps, what what strategies, what um, even you know framing of conversations can couples do to to stay connected and loving when there is so much uncertainty and maybe as we talked about before, too much togetherness.
1: Yeah. So, I have a few things. The first one is actually. About self care. So, I often say, like, the best way to take care of your relationship is to take care of yourself. And in this crisis, I think it's extra important because there's hardly anyone that hasn't got any anxiousness or stress or effects of this. And so, my tip for that is to apply what I call the 80% rule of crisis. And what that means is that you, so it's really about how you talk to yourself, actually. So the 80% rule of crisis means that you're going to assume that you will only perform 80% as good in any area of your life. So you're going to be only 80% as productive at work. Uh, You might be only 80% as patient with your partner and with your children. Maybe Um, you might only have 80% of your libido. It might, Mm -hmm. it might pop up in any area of your life. And the idea is actually, it's not really about the 80% because it could be 40% even if you're really not doing well, Mm -hmm. but it's just about cutting yourself some slack and really reminding yourself. And in a way you speak to yourself that whenever you have maybe, um, a conflict and you you say something that you regret or you you just interpret things in a very personal way and you are later you're like oh I should not have done that to really cut yourself some slack so that the stress gets a bit lower because when you're both so super stressed that's really a recipe for a lot of a lot of conflict and so and also not to expect someone else to apply that rule to you like to wait for other people to give you that self compassion but to really do it do it for yourself yeah. So that's my first tip. <laughs> yeah, that's great.
0: <laughs> what else?
1: Yeah. So then to go more about how to do that, that renegotiating and that thing that I mentioned about the needs. So just to give you an example of, so my, my tip would be to whenever you feel like you don't agree with your partner or your strategies are clashing, so there's something is clash- clashing to find out the universal need behind this thing that you each want. So just to give you an example, I had a a day where my partner um, or where I came back home and I was really, really tired and I wanted to be in bed with the sheets over my head. I wanted to have complete silence. And my partner, he wanted to actually play some loud videos. He wanted to show me some funny videos. He was really excited. He was like, come on, you got to see these videos. And so on the level of strategies, like our strategies were me to go to bed and be in silence and he to watch videos together. And on that level, there was a clash. Mm -hmm. And so we we decided to go to the level of needs. And we found out that for me, my need was to have rest. It was quite simple. And for him, it turned out his need was to have contact. Mm -hmm. And that's already interesting, right? That Oh, yeah, it's just watching watching videos. Actually, there's something deeper behind it. And then knowing that our needs were contact and rest, we started to brainstorm. Like, how could we meet both of these needs? Instead of having this uh, clash, hmm. and then my partner said, "Well, how about I give you a massage? Then you have your need for rest, and I have my need for contact." Yeah. And so that's a, and I mean, this example is quite quite simple, right? And we were not really triggered, so it's a bit more simple. But it's important to see, I think, how this might work. That if you go to those le- the level of needs, that you can also feel a bit more compassion for the other person, because maybe I don't like. That my partner is watching videos all day long, and I'm I'm having some judgments about that, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I realize that actually in that moment he wants to have some context through watching something funny together, that's already feels a lot different to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I so appreciate that. And and what you say, you know, it's a it's a little thing. Um, but I think the more we practice that, the more we're prepared when it becomes something bigger. Yes. When the clash has more consequences. Yes. And so it's. It's the micro adjustments that really make the difference when we get to the big ones. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Would you like to hear another one?
0: (laughs) I would love to hear another one. These are awesome.
1: (laughs) So one thing I actually heard another um, relationship therapist say say something I didn't really agree with. She said that when uh, you don't agree about how much hygiene measurements to take Mm -hmm. there's someone that wants to do it a bit more and there's someone that wants to do it a bit less then to go to kind of adjust to the person who is the most scared so who wants to do the most um hygienic things let's say Mm -hmm. and so i don't agree with that for two reasons like one is that um it's actually, again, about going to that need. So why is someone a little bit rebellious towards all the measurements that have to be taken, all the rules that have to be followed? At first, I might not feel so compassionate for that, you know, like because I am I like to care about my safety and it's about health and everything. And it's about older people that might die and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But if I listen to this person, it might be that actually... You know, there's a lot of people, I think, that have some resistance towards authority and they might actually not really trust the government and they might feel like they're losing control in this moment. Like there's all these new rules and they may be scared also to lose their job. They feel like they're really losing control. And from that, they might be really scared and trying to create some choice in all of this by rebelling against some small things. Mm -hmm. And so if you hear that, then I think it's not really... In the long run, not very helpful to adjust to this one person, let's say, that that wants to do the more hygienic way, because there's a lot more behind it for some people why they might be, for example, rebellious. Yeah. And I think in the long run, that's it never really works to to give one of the two in a a couple or even, you know, between two colleagues or two friends to give one person their way, because that's going to build resentment in the other person. And that's doesn't really work in the long run, I think. So,
0: yeah. So what would you do in that kind of situation then? What would you suggest that instead of conceding, I suppose, to the person that has more anxiety or fear? Yeah. What's an alternative response?
1: Yeah, so I would really listen to both of them. And so if it turns out, like in my example, that one person is actually reacting towards all these rules and this sense of losing agency. Quite often, people are not even aware that that's why they're doing something. So this takes some time. And, and when they're heard, it might very well be that they actually have already more willingness to wash their hands. Because in the end, if it's about that, the problem is not really that, that they don't want to wash their hands, right? It's about something bigger. Yeah. And so if they can see that and be heard in that, there might actually already be more space to be like oh yeah I don't I don't actually mind about washing my hands I just mind about having the sense of losing control and maybe I want to be heard in that and maybe that's already creating some some peace Mm mm-hmm
0: yeah, that's such a great point that so often we can come to a common ground or some sort of resolution just by listening and understanding, like really hearing the other person out. And what you're sharing here, I mean, I'm just my mind is going through not just perhaps conversations in the home, but having some empathy for those that we see even in the grocery store or mm protesting or anything like that. I don't yeah. know if that's happening in Amsterdam where people are re- openly rebelling. It's not just, I don't want to wash my hands, but they're yeah. they're expressing themselves in much more vocal and public ways. Right. And sometimes having empathy for that can be a little bit challenging if you're on the side of, we have to wear masks, we have to wash our hands, we need to social distance. So it, it seems like what you're sharing here is helping us to put ourselves in their shoes a little bit. And say, where could they be coming from? Like you said, um, what's the universal need Yeah, yeah. that's underneath it?
1: Yeah, I like that you say that because I actually believe one of the reasons why I love helping couples is that I believe that if you can create, it's all, it's, I'm afraid it sounds a bit hippie-like, but I kind of believe <laughs> that if you can create peace at home, that you can also extend that further. Or to say it like the other way around, if you don't manage to do that at home, it's very likely that you don't have space outside of your house to to have that, that empathy and compassion, because if, you're, if your love relationship is not going well, that usually affects your whole life. So, yeah, I like that you that you mentioned this. Yeah, thank you.
0: <laughs> to bring us to a close here, I'm curious about your favorite tips or strategies for handling conflict with your romantic partner. And of course, I'm thinking both of, you know, in the situation we're right now, but beyond even the pandemic and, and about, um, and I'm putting normal in quotes, um, when we get back to normal life. Yeah. Yeah. What can you tell us about conflict?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I could write a book about this, but
0: <laughs> and you probably should.
1: yeah, yeah, I'm probably yeah I'm actually I'm actually doing that as well. Oh good. So what is conflict, right? So one way of defining a conflict is that there are two people who are expressing and that there's no one listening. And so it's good to be aware of that because sometimes, we think we're still listening because we're silent, but actually in our head, we are really defending ourselves. And so I like to try to work kind of like before it gets heated and before you're not listening anymore. Because if you get to that point of two people expressing and no one listening, then it's it's actually best to pause. So if you're right before that, what I would recommend, so you, you your partner said something and you notice you get a little bit triggered or a bit bit scared or something like that but you're not yet in a fight let's say or in a in in a big distance and one thing to do is to really check your interpretations and so for example I I had the other day I had a instance where my partner told me that he wanted to start a business with his ex-wife oh (laughs) yes exactly so immediately my whole body was on you know sort of fight or flight mode and like (gasps) what is this and I was I started to interpret. So he only told me like he wa- he was going to help her with some t-shirt printing and he was, you know, starting a business like that and my interpretation was like oh he's going to spend a lot of time with his ex and maybe um, we would like to have children and I thought oh maybe he's going to spend all his weekends on this because he already has a full time job and I my mind started running wild and then I, and I checked with him like like, okay so what mm-hmm. What does that mean starting a business like does not mean you're going <laughs> to use all your weekends and it didn't mean any of that it was really like, like a few hours he was going to help her to start up and maybe in the future they would do something and in the end they didn't even start anything it was just like a like a kind of idea that they had and so it was really helpful to to kind of stop and to check all these all these thoughts and and just to say you know i'm i'm a little bit scared like this sounds scary to me so to to slow down and to really notice your body getting in this defensive mode or scared mode and to check your check what is yeah what is literally being said and what is the story that you make of that. So that's that's one thing, and I don't know if you want to react to that before I go <laughs> to something
0: else. <laughs> no, I just love this, and it, it's odd what comes to my mind. And this, I I hope this doesn't sound like too much of a tangent, but part of the I think the challenge is that we don't often have healthy conflict modeled for us, mm. and sometimes our you know depending on our the, our parents' relationship, we may or may not have had healthy conflict modeled. Like I'm thinking of a colleague once who. Ended up. I don't know if she ended up divorced, but she at least separated for a time from her husband. And one of the things she told me was, "We don't know how to fight." You know, we we both grew up in households where the parents didn't fight, and so yeah. we think if we have a conflict, that the relationship is doomed. Mm, yeah. And and so they it was like a catastrophic event. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about also, uh, and this is actually where my thought originally went was television. I know that sounds weird, but you know, lacking real life in-person modeling. Sometimes we absorb kind of messages from television, and I always get really activated when I'm watching a show and I see two characters have a disagreement, like you know that a conflict is coming, and one of them just unleashes on the other and doesn't give them any space to explain themselves. They'll Mm. like take one thing and then just go off. Mm. And you want to say, wait a minute, stop listen, ask them, and I love this, what does that mean? Hmm. How how that would diffuse everything. But of course, if they did that, there wouldn't be a television show. (laughs) right? (laughs) Because it's all about conflict. But it's just, it's just making me think about how sometimes the modeling that we see is not always productive or healthy, and that it really does take some educating of yourself and practicing. And it's a skill. It's not just something that you have naturally or not, I think, you know, it's something that you can learn and that is really important so that's that's sorry that's my little like sidebar reaction to just what you were saying just appreciation for that
1: yeah i totally i totally agree yeah that there's such a i would love that this would just be taught in schools you know because yes and and also to have more compassion towards ourselves that that we don't know how to have conflict simply because like you say we I rarely I know hardly anyone that whose parents were like great at <laughs> resolving something. I've never seen my parents do that. So I had to had to learn it somewhere else. If I didn't learn it with NVC, with nonviolence communication, I still would not have known it. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I, I just kind of dove in there and, and hijacked the conversation there for a second. But I want to make sure, do you have any other tips that you wanted to share before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, like one last thing was actually coming back to this thing of needing space for yourself and how to ask for that. Mm-hmm. I think I would like to specify a little bit that if I go to my partner and I say, um, you know, I need I need more space for myself, I want to go outside for a walk. If I just say it like that, my partner might get a bit stressed and think that it might take hours and that he might not know how to handle the kids in that time, for example. And so it's very important to add, like whenever you make a request in order to take care of yourself in this situation or in any situation uh, to come after this, to really add a time frame. So to say, you know, I really would like to walk outside for 10 minutes or to have to meditate for myself for, for 15 minutes. Can you take care of the kids during that time? And I can do the same for you. You might even negotiate a little bit like that, yeah. but to really make it super uh, concrete so someone knows what they say yes to or no to. But if they don't know what they're going to say yes to, then it's very likely that they don't want to say yes at all because it's, yeah, they're not really sure. Yeah. What about
0: if you're the person on the receiving end of that request? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How do you keep yourself from going into that place of, oh, they're mad at me? or they're tired of me or that sort of thing.
1: Right, yeah. So again, that's an interpretation, right? So mm-hmm. if someone if someone would tell me like in the beginning my my partner told me like, "Oh, I really I'm really bored. I really would like to go back to work." And there was also a second in me that I was thinking, "Oh, maybe he doesn't enjoy." It. And I was actually quite enjoying him being more at home, so I was a bit sad like that I thought that he didn't share that. And so again, to check then like, "Oh, is that true?" And actually he, he, he said he loved also spending time with me. He's more of an extrovert. So he might need just more inputs. Like he just likes to have this input of all kinds of different people. And just hearing that was actually very reassuring. So if your partner needs more space and you notice you feel a little insecure or something like that, mm-hmm. just to check and just to say, I think we don't ask for reassurance enough. Like, like I know a lot of people need Maybe even daily or at least weekly, like reassurance that their partner still likes them mm-hmm. and loves them and think they're beautiful. And, mm-hmm. you know, like we, we need to hear that a lot more. So to to ask for that instead of wait, because if you wait for it, it might it might not come. It doesn't come natural for everyone to say that. Yeah. So to really say, hey, I, I kind of need a little bit of reassurance. Like, would you just share with me what you like about spending time with me? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What are you enjoying about this? Yeah. So I have another question. This one's really personal, but I think it might resonate for different people for a different reason. So my husband and I have our 22nd wedding anniversary tomorrow.
1: Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. So
0: May 23rd. Thank you. And of course, things are so different during this pandemic that, you know, it's, we can't, you know, go out to eat or have a a movie night or a date night or, you know, that sort of thing. And my husband asked me what I'd like to do. And I'm Mm. just sort of at a loss. And I'm thinking not just of people, you know, myself, but other people who are celebrating anniversaries and birthdays and graduations, you know, it's like we're, we're missing a chance to have the rituals that surround our recognition of relationships mm. and connection. Yeah, any advice around how to honor those kinds of events? Yeah, um, when when we're so limited, yeah. perhaps in our yeah our choices. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I like your question. I'm curious, like, what is the need behind it? So, say that you would be able. You said what you miss the most is going out for dinner maybe with other people is that what you would have done normally or
0: um yeah we probably would have gone out for a nice dinner you know instead of just yeah hey let's go down to the corner pub then you know let's get dressed up and yeah treat ourselves
1: yeah okay so it's yeah. it's for you it would be kind of about treating yourselves mm-hmm. and maybe celebrating also a bit in public is that also something you know not as important
0: but there is something to even going out to your favorite restaurant and you know one of you tells the server, it's our anniversary, and they bring you a special little dessert, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that, where you feel like there's some sense of sharing it okay. with other people.
1: Yeah, so it's partly about treating yourself and partly about sharing it with right. other people. Right. I'm asking because it could be slightly different for everyone, right? What is important about that? Mm-hmm. So what I would do is is to also ask your, your husband, yeah. like, what is it for him? Like, what are the needs for him that are maybe that he's afraid of not meeting right now and then to see if you can kind of brainstorm together so you want to treat yourself and you want to also share it with people so i could imagine i don't know i'm just brainstorming a little bit now like uh, if there is another way of treating yourself with with nice food <laughs> um if there's another way of sharing it i don't know maybe on social media i know it's not the same you could even like make a little video of yourself having a ah, toast and asking people underneath the post to toast with you or something nice. like that, or to say something to say a memory, to share memory about the two of you or mm-hmm. yeah, I think yeah. I would, I would really find what it is for you specifically mm-hmm. that you miss and how, t- and then brainstorm a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'm even remembering a, a family down the street that at Easter They got dressed up just like they would if they were going to church Mm, and they posed for some photos and they had a a neighbor friend come over and from an appropriate distance, take some photos of them. And they took a more formal family portrait and then they took one that was goofy and then they shared that. So clearly they found a way to honor what was important for them about that day yeah and so I, I'm imagining you know even though we're just dining here at our home perhaps we both dress up we light candles at the table you know so yeah thank you for that. so what I hear is just finding about what is important about the occasion mm, yeah and getting creative about how how can you honor that yeah and I'm I caught myself as I was sharing that when I said we have limited choices. And it's like, well, that's true on the one hand, but there's also, we are self imposing some limits when we say that. Mm. Instead of thinking about the limits, think about the possibilities, mm. I guess. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Well, thank you for <laughs> indulging me that particular question, because I've been I've been a little stumped. So <laughs> uh, that's very helpful. Yeah. Okay. So, Marianne, this has been so delightful. And I'm wondering if people want more of you and what you have to offer, um, where can they go for more information? And-
1: yeah, they could go to my website, cupofempathy.com. And I have a special page, actually. Um, I think it's called Corona Support. And I have a video there and a free webinar that people can check out. They can check out my course if they like. I have a specific course for people who might be stressed about their relationship right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a few options that uh, that they can find there.
0: Excellent. And so it's cupofempathy.com? Yes. Okay, perfect. I will make sure that there is a link to that on the episode web page to make it easy for folks. Great. And um, th- and thank you for uh, one thing. I appreciated about your website was the generosity with resources. So, I really hope that people um, take advantage of that and and yeah. um, benefit from it. So, thank you, thank you for your generous sharing here. <laughs> thank you. Such an important topic, and I'm so glad we took time to talk today.
1: Yeah, me too. Thank you so much.
0: I'm so grateful to people like Marianne who are committed to making our relationships stronger and more loving. It's such an important message today and always. I plan to have her as a guest again. We had so much fun chatting. um, So you will definitely hear more from her in the future. For now, your call to action is to consider any points of tension that you might be having with your partner at home. Pick just one, the one that maybe is on your mind the most, or seems to happen the most frequently. Consider what's really going on below the surface. Ask yourself, what's the need that isn't being met? You can really only answer for yourself at this point. Even if you know your partner inside and out, you can make an educated guess about their needs, but it would still be an assumption based on your own biases, interpretations, and history with that person. So first, identify the point of tension. Maybe it's about how to keep the house clean, how often to go shopping, or who does the shopping, taking care of the kids, putting boundaries around your work time and your personal time. You know, anything where you sense that you're coming from two different places. And reflect on what you need and how that need isn't being met or recognized. Then ask yourself, what would it mean for that basic need to be met? As Marianne pointed out, the need might be to have some sense of control or connection or space. What are different ways that those needs can be met? This is the question to discuss with your partner. What do we need and what are our options? Have the conversation when you're in a cold state, that is, neither of you is feeling stressed or worked up, or you're not experiencing the tension that you're discussing. Over time, the more often you have these kinds of conversations, and again, like Marianne and I discussed, having these conversations about the little things, the more you do that, the more it will become a natural part of how you approach conflict and come to a resolution. I look forward to sharing with you again in a few weeks. I'm excited to welcome Marsha Reynolds, author of the forthcoming book, Coach the Person, Not the Problem, as my next guest. Just her distinction between asking questions and practicing inquiry is going to absolutely change the way you relate to others. Please stay tuned for that episode in early June. Until then, I wish you and yours safety, health, and good spirits. This is Beth Bilo, and you have been listening to How Can I Say This? You can find past episodes, find out how to leave a review, and learn more about the show at HowCanIsayThis.com. And I will say that your reviews and your ratings and your feedback are very important to this show, and I really take them seriously. So I do hope that you'll take a few minutes to let me know what you think and let other listeners know what you think. A very special thank you to our podcast producer, Paul Messing, and the composer of our theme music, Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously.